This is Carry On With Kelly, the podcast where we unpack the stories of my travel, cancer, recovery, and self-discovery from one small bag. Welcome to episode two of season five. Today is February 9th, 2022. And in case it is not obvious, I am Kelly McVeigh. This episode is being recorded at Hotel H177 in Campeche, Mexico. Odd name for a hotel, and I can't figure out where the name comes from. The hotel's website just says it has 24 rooms, and they are a fusion of the colonial-style experience with a touch of avant-garde. I have no clue what that means, but I'm having a lovely experience here. It's less than a 10-minute walk from the Malacan. So I just turned down one street, walked down the cobblestones, hit the Malacan, which is the waterfront walking, biking path that goes up and down the coast of Campache. So it is quite lovely. I have learned a couple things about Campache in the last 10 days since I've arrived. We always knew that Campache was inscribed as a UNESCO site in 1999. I hope I don't have to remind you about my love for UNESCO sites. But if you're not familiar, UNESCO is the UN's educational, scientific, and cultural organization, and they designate world heritage sites around the world. I visit them often, and that's one of the reasons I am in Campache. Most of the pictures of the town online show all of the buildings and the historic district. There's around 2,000 buildings, I believe. And all of these pictures show them in pristine condition. Everything is painted to look bright and fresh. As I've been walking through town, though, things seem a little rundown. I am doing an assignment for my class on world heritage and cultural preservation. And that's one of the things I was talking about, how it seems from an outside perspective and this little story I made up in my head that once the town became a UNESCO site, they quit putting money into the town. So it looks a little run down. But it turns out, I found this out yesterday, uh, in the early 90s, the local government decided to restore the buildings and paint the town and From the early 90s until the pandemic started, all of the buildings in town were painted about once every six months. Owners could choose from this approved palette of colors, and then the government would paint and restore the exterior of the building. So the only thing that I'm told, the only stipulation is that you cannot have the same color as your neighbor. So all of this wear and tear has taken place in the past two years when they quit painting the buildings. I am told that's because of the proximity to the ocean water. It really has an effect on the paint. So something I learned today, yesterday. Something else I learned, there are these fort walls that surround the historic center of Campache. As you walk through town, you'll see remnants of the walls in certain areas. So it really brought me back to Fort Gaul in Sri Lanka and Chiang Mai and northern Thailand. Some areas of the walls are obviously restored. Other areas look more original and more rustic. There are a couple of restored gates. So the back gates, and I believe they call these the land gates, 
take you outside of the historic area into like the rest of the town. There's a great market across the street. I visited on Saturday back pre-development. So, you know, 16, 1700s. If you came out of the back gate, you would have been in the jungle. The front gate opens up onto a street and you can walk from the front gate across pavement to the Malacon and then you can see the water from there. I found out yesterday that the front gate used to be opened into the water, which I guess now that you think about it, you would think a fort would be right on the water and the gate would open up into the water. Didn't even picture it. But in the 50s, the government decided to reclaim some land. So outside of the front gate, they filled all of that land in. And now that you look at it, it does look a little odd. It's common lore here that pirates attacked the town several times. Some pretty famous pirates, Henry Morgan, Francis Drake, apparently two different pirates called Pegleg. One was Dutch and one was English, maybe. So once they had been attacked so many times, they finally, as a, a town, built these walls. Once the walls were built, the pirates decided it was too much work and the town was never attacked again. Interesting lore that I found out. In addition to these walls that surround the historic center, there are two forts. Each one is about an hour walk outside of town. Fort San Jose is to the east of town. Fort San Miguel is to the west of town. I went to Fort San Jose on Sunday. It's half hidden underground, and then in the fort, the fort is now home to a museum on underwater archaeology. It was all in Spanish, so I didn't understand any of it. The other direction is Fort San Miguel. That is now a museum for Mayan artifacts. Some really great examples of Mayan art and carvings and jewelry and, um, you know, I don't want to say mummies because that's Egyptian, but you get the idea what I'm trying to say, I think. Some really great examples. They aren't from Campache, but they were found throughout the state over the years. So in my mind, now that I've visited both of these forts and the walls to the city, in my mind, all of this connected. So you'd start at Fort San Jose, and then there would have been a solid wall to the historic center, and then a solid wall to the other fort. But what I discovered yesterday is that there is absolutely no connection between any of this. The walls, like I said, were built to keep the pirates out. Both of these forts were built years later to keep the English out of the Spanish settlement. Lots of history lessons going on around here. I have to credit Alfredo with this. Yesterday afternoon, I took a tour of the town. You know, he showed me some of the old churches and some of the, the local history. And then we did go out to Fort San Miguel and look around again. He is taking me out again to... Um, some ruins, a pyramid, on Saturday. So there will be more history to follow next week. What else have I been doing in Campache? Keep in mind, I work every day, and I'm very happy about that, but I'm also very happy to say that I am a regular 
at two local cafes already. So Cafe Luan is right around the corner. So I'm staying on 14th Street. Cafe Luan is right around the corner on 14th and 59th. Little cafe with some outdoor seating. They make fresh brewed iced tea to order for me. So I can drop my cup off, take a short walk around town between meetings, and then swing past around the cafe 10 minutes later, pick up my cup, and walk home. It's the perfect little break. I do this once, if not twice a day, except for Tuesdays when they're closed. So that is lovely. I've eaten there a couple times. The food is good, but their hours don't necessarily work. Um, they don't open till eight. I'm working by eight because of the time difference. They close at three, but the food is good. I've also found another cafe called Cafe Origin, which is in the other direction. It's on 12th and 61st, I believe. Husband and wife owners, they moved here from Cancun a little over a year ago. They opened the cafe in December of 2020. He bakes everything from scratch. They have avocado toast on the menu for breakfast. They have amazing Wi-Fi where I have gone to work um, on some mornings when I don't have any calls. It has been wonderful to already be a regular at two cafes. Juan now meets me at Cafe Origin for my Spanish class. So I made the commitment to have Spanish lessons when I decided to come to Campache. Prior to going to Peru in September, I was taking online Spanish classes for about 10 months on Duolingo, and I thought I was really well prepared. I land in Peru, and I understand nothing. It was very disheartening. Google Translate saved me, but I just never really picked up the language the whole time I spent traveling around Peru. I'm understanding words a bit better here, but I am not good at pronouncing anything. I don't understand when the C's are hard or soft and I'm just, the J's confuse me. So I'm really not good at that. So Juan meets me twice a week. I pay him 100 pesos and buy him an Americana, and he helps me speak better Spanish. I thought we had a really productive class at the end of the day, class lesson at the end of the day today. Um, in case you're wondering, he is rooting for the Bengals in the Super Bowl on Sunday. So have we ever talked about the concept of the third place here? The third place in community building the idea of the third place is that sense of place that's separate from your two normal or your two usual social, social environments. So home, which is typically your first place, and work, which is commonly the second place. Of course, remote work and the pandemic have really blurred the lines, but the idea of the third place still really permeates. These are places that anchor your community life. They facilitate creative interaction. You have little or no obligation to go to these third places. And because of that, the sense of commonality can occur. So cafes are my third place. I always, you know, refer to Starbucks. And, and when I refer to Starbucks, I don't necessarily mean just Starbucks, although we all know I love my Starbucks. But any sort of cafe, when I'm traveling alone, 
these are the places that those little interactions really kind of keep me moving throughout the day. And it's very obvious here that I, even after only spending 10 days here, that third place is really sort of amped up in my communication with others and just keeping me that checkpoint day to day, if that makes sense. Well, I learned a lot about Compache this week. I learned a little bit or rather rediscovered a little bit about myself. Maybe it's something that we've always known, but it's really been stressed since I got here that I am such an introvert. When I was growing up, uh, everybody always thought I was shy and I always thought I was shy. But the more you study about introverts versus extroverts, it's really not about being shy. I just do so much better when I'm with people in short bursts. I do so much better when I'm in small groups versus large groups. It challenges me. I could never understand why I didn't love concerts. And I would go with people and yeah, the music was good, but I just never socially love those interactions. And and now I can look back and realize it's just too much for me. Put me at a table with a couple people and I can carry on a conversation, put me into large of a group and I'm stifled and I really don't know what to do. So that introvertness really comes out when I'm traveling alone and I realize how great the solitude really is. I think Ellen Bernstein is quoted as saying something about the idea that being alone, you realize how unlonely being alone really is. Probably butchered that quote, but you get the idea of what I'm saying. I was talking to my mother the other day and she's like, oh my God, I miss you so much. Keep in mind that prior to my cancer diagnosis, I hadn't lived near my family in almost 20 years. So Southern California, New York City, Cambodia, Southeast Asia. I came home on a regular basis to visit. And if I spent too much time away, I would crave my family and need to get back. But I never needed to be there. So since I've been back, I think my mother especially has really gotten used to me being around. And I've been reminding her the whole time I've been there, you know, I'm not supposed to be here. I was never meant to be here. And as soon as I get the opportunity, I'm leaving. The world has decided differently for our past couple years. And I think she has forgot about all of this. So when she tells me she misses me, my natural reaction is to say, it's been a week. You're fine. I will be back eventually. For five, maybe six weeks, I can thrive on these phone calls every few days with my mom and my sister. I get plenty of messages and interaction with friends. It, it also helps, like I said, that I'm working. So I'm on regular Zoom meetings with people. And what really keeps me moving, though, is these little pieces of communication that I get from these third places in this community. When I moved to Cambodia, I arrived the beginning of September in 2017. In the matter of two weeks, I had already found Fiona, who was my Pilates instructor at first and then became my friend. We were meeting a couple times a week for Pilates. She asked me to lunch and the rest was really history. A couple weeks in, I met Linda and Eric and we formed an instant bond. I met Sarah along the way. 
and and it was very quick to make connections when you're all living in the same environment away from your home and and I have that here after 10 days I have a little bit of it I can guarantee you in the next week I'll form some more bonds and we'll talk more about that next episode but that's what keeps me going the conversations at the cafes my Spanish tutor the tour guide like I said I'm better in small groups I have to push myself at times there is an expat dinner next week that I'm going to go to and let's hope it's not a large group but I'll push myself and see what happens this isn't always enough but it's enough until it's not if that makes sense so eventually it's going to come a point that I'll begin to crave more people I'll begin to crave my people and I'll begin to crave having a more meaningful interaction but I can guarantee you that easily takes five or six weeks before I start to get that antsy and start to consider moving on Before I end, I will point out that the weather's been lovely. It's been a little chilly the past couple days. It was rainy, misty yesterday. But when I say chilly today, uh, it was maybe a high of 69, 71, something like that. Uh, I'm thrilled with it. My body is loving it. My bones hurt so bad back in the States from all the cold. and, And I just feel a lot better here. So... That's it for this week of Carry On with Kelly. Thank you for joining me as I carry on, and I hope you'll join me next week. We'll talk more about Compache, and I have a couple things planned this weekend, so I'll update you on all of that. Thank you.